You're now tuning in to a Sports Talk podcast produced by the Right Way Sports Network and CEO Malik Wright. Be sure to follow the team's social media on Instagram at TWSNet, on Twitter at TWSNet, and on Facebook at the Right Way Sports Network. We want to change the way you view sports and get your information. And there's only one way to do that. The Right Way. Welcome to Inside the Block, episode 6, brought to you by the Right Way Sports Network. First off, if you'd like to listen to any of our podcasts, we are also available on Anchor, which will direct you to all of our podcasts from Apple to Spotify. And if you'd like to catch any of our podcasts, go ahead and click the link in our bio. And also, if you'd like to donate and help support the podcast, you can donate on there to help support the content. So let's get into this. We're your hosts, Jacob and Adam, and today we're going to be discussing the Ravens 2010's all-decade team, Featuring Justin from the Ravens Hub on Instagram. So let's get right into this. Justin, who is the Ravens all-decade quarterback? So I think uh, before we start, I think you can definitely make a case for Lamar Jackson. But, you know, when you just kind of look at exactly what Joe Flacco has done this decade, which is a lot, uh, you, you, you have to go with Joe Flacco. I mean, he dominated the early 2010s, and he had arguably one of the greatest postseasons ever. Uh, he... Uh, had 1,140 yards with 11 touchdowns and no interceptions along with the Super Bowl win. And I think that's a that's a big key uh, to have when determining uh, who's this all-decade quarterback as opposed to Lamar Jackson. He's just had one su- super stellar uh, season. I think you look at Drew Flacco, and he's just – he dominated the uh, early 2010s for that. So I think that's what cements him as my uh, quarterback one for this all-decade team. Yeah, I, yeah I, I agree with you there for sure. Um, you know, like you said, you can make a case for Lamar Jackson, you know, being, you know, arguably having the best quarterback season in Baltimore Ravens history. But, you know, Joe also got us that Super Bowl and was Super Bowl MVP and proved himself for, you know, pretty much 10 years of his career with us. So I think you got to give the nod here for Joe. But five years down the road, you know, that could be end up being Lamar. Yeah, I mean, the – Big thing is in the 2010s compared to Lamar Jackson and Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl. And when you're trying to judge an all-decade team, that being the leader of that Super Bowl squad is a pretty big weight on your shoulders and a pretty big weight to add. And Lamar almost did it, but he did not. So Joe Flacco does have that big one up on him. And his – People forget, even despite his late 2000s, that he was very dominant in the early – late 2010s, excuse me. Very dominant in the early 2010s. Extremely dominant. Like top 10 quarterback dominant. And we have seen that Lamar, in Lamar in 2019, but he just hit to the 2020 decade, so you can't really uh, measure that against him. And then next up, we have our running back. Running back one and two, we should say. All right. So uh, with uh, the first running back that I had to is uh, I got to give it to Ray Rice. And if you you look fast is uh, off-field controversies. Uh, He was a beast. And uh, he got – he has a a lot of dominating seasons uh, in the early 2010s. 
around four seasons before everything went haywire. Uh, so with four seasons, he's got 4,387 yards, 30 touchdowns rushing. But when you when you when you think of a running back, do you only think of rushing? But I think what really helps your value as a running back is your ability to catch passes as well and to you know take some pressure off the quarterback. And I think that was perfect uh, with what Wright did with uh, Flacco because he was able to uh, get uh, 2,059 receiving yards as well in those four seasons and you know provide Joe with that you know. Uh, comfort and knowing that he can just dump it off if things go bad. Yeah. And who was your running back two, Dave? My running back two. And you see, when you, when you think about a running back two, like beyond Ray Rice, like we haven't really had many uh, outstanding like running backs beyond that. We just signed a few journeyman running backs. Like you you think of um, Alex Collins and uh, Terrence West. West. Um, But I think one, yeah, I think one, I think one uh, journeyman running back I think stands out among those is Justin Forsett. Yeah, and I, he takes yeah. he takes my running back two spot. And uh, he was signed, so he signed before 2014. He only spent two seasons with us, but in that season with 2014, it was completely uh, uh, dominating. Um, it's a common theme, and you see this without the offenses, this uh, rushing attack. That uh, with the two seasons, he was able to notch a thousand. 907 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns, and uh, I think not only not only does his game um, put him here, but I think the way that he elevated Joe Flacco in 2014 uh, by giving him that uh, rushing attack, that reliable rushing attack where he could open up the air with play action, I think uh, that value kind of adds to that running back two spot for me. Yeah, yeah, Adam, I I agree with both picks that you had there. You know, I I think. For Mark Ingram, he could make a case, you know, just because we've had a lot of, like you said, kind of not really one-year wonders, but a lot of running backs where they've only been with us for a year or two. But Mark kind of falls a little bit into the Lamar Jackson where he really has come on very late in the decade. So it's, you know, hard to put a guy on when he, you know, came in in 2019 and that was really only a season or his only season with us. So I agree with you. You know, Ray Rice is pretty much the – clear-cut, you know, running back one despite, you know, his issues off the field and, you know, how poorly that turned out at the end, you know, which that would have been different. But, you know, I think Justin Forsett was really insane that 2014 year, and that gives him the nod as running back two over the other, you know, like you said, journeyman running backs. Yeah, I also agree um, about Ray Rice, first of all. He, if he was, if the whole incident with his wife did not happen, I feel he would be our all-time rushing yards guy by now, because he was making very good pace to beat that. And then Forsett, even though he was only on the Ravens for two or three seasons, he is our fifth all-time rusher, and that says a lot. Because I mean, there's a bunch of guys that are on here who have been here for multiple years, more than uh, Forsett and don't even come close to his those two three season numbers and in one of those seasons he broke he was out for the season as well to add that so yeah it's for set with his 2005 rushing yards in two seasons in 29 games i should be exact all right next up we have the wide receiver one and wide receiver two all right, so uh, for my wide receiver one, uh, I think that uh, it's, it's Anquan Bolden. 
And uh, when I when I think of Anquan Bolden, you know, I don't really th- typically think of a wide receiver one as like not flashy or not explosive, but that's what Bolden was. He wasn't very explosive or flashy, but uh, what he makes up for that is in reliability. And I think that's a huge, huge um, trait to have as a as a Raven receiver. Uh, so he has a he has a really large frame too that was able to help him out muscle and out body some of these cornerbacks, especially on third down. And uh, he uh, also was one of the only receivers uh, that I consider one of the best receivers to of the Ravens to help us win the Super Bowl. So yeah. I think that also plays into a uh, uh, value for Bolden that he was able to help uh, us get into the postseason as well as the uh, Super Bowl. Um, going from that, we go to wide receiver two, and I think this is kind of where we start to get, you know, differing opinions. Um, I think uh, I I could have picked Torrey Smith, uh, but I think I'm gonna go with Steve Smith Senior, and uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Steve Smith Senior because, uh, like I said with uh, Justin Forsett, like that 2014 season, it's hard to pass up. Uh, I think he was he was really good in that 2014 season, even as a 35 year old. So and he was a he's one of the greatest receivers of all time too, and he was he was able to produce like that uh, in 2014, even as uh, an older man playing a younger man's game. Uh, he had three seasons with us, but it was really only two because the uh, second one in 2015, he tore his Achilles, I believe. Uh, he was able to notch 2,534 yards and 14 touchdowns. I think that that, that really, uh, when you look at that, if you take out that uh, third season, I suppose, and you just look at it from, like, basically these are just two seasons, I think those are some really good numbers for just two full healthy seasons. And uh, he... Even even as a older guy, he still produces as a top wide receiver, and that's why I have him as my uh, wide receiver too over Torrey Smith. I yeah, I uh, I agree with you on Anquan Bolden for sure. You know, he was that big body that I feel like we've kind of been missing ever since he left. Um, you know, I hope I hope that Miles Boykin kind of turns into that this year, but you know, he's got a long way to go. But Anquan, you know, he was always that guy. You just throw it up and. He's going to come down with it, like you said. He's going to outmuscle the other guy. He's going to outwork the, the DB. So I think Anquan's pretty much the clear cut wide receiver number one. But um, I am going to go with Torrey Smith as you know our wide receiver number two. I think you know Torrey was pretty amazing for us in those four years, and he was definitely a pivotal uh, you know person for our Super Bowl run and. You know, his speed and, you know, I just think back to the game, you know, where it was the day after his brother died and he scored, and I want to say it was two or three touchdowns and, you know, yeah. completely balled out against the, I believe it was the Patriots, if I'm, if I'm it correct. Was. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, he, I mean, he had over 3,500 yards in four seasons and, you know, he was just the deep threat that I think Hollywood could potentially turn into. And so I got to, I got to give it to Tory here. At wide receiver two. And I do agree with both of you. Wide receiver one, I think, is kind of obviously Bolden. He had the most impact in our, for our Super Bowl as out of the wide receiver class, or not class, group. And I might throw, just because Adam said Torrey Smith, I'm going to go with my secondary option. That's Mike Wallace. Mm. Mike Wallace. Mm for two seasons, had 2,000 yards, almost 2,000 yards. And 
I know I'm like I'm kind of stretching the fact slightly is add those like keep adding seasons onto him, and he would have break he would have broken Torrey Smith, he would have broken Bolden, he would have broken T. Smith Senior. If he played more seasons with us, he probably would have been a lot higher than he is, and that's at 14th all time for the Ravens and with uh, 1,700 yards or 1,800 yards. So I feel it's kind of a what-if scenario, but I feel if that what-if happened, he would be not leagues beyond, but he would be a lot higher than where he is right now. Hmm. Okay. All right. Next up, we are going to the tight end positions. All right, so uh, with tight end, I have uh, two tight ends picked. Uh, the first one yes, that I have is uh, going to be Mark Andrews, actually. Uh, he's my tight end Ooh. one. Uh, That's it, might, it might be my first true bold take on the team. Uh, he, Mark Andrews broke the most receiving yards by a rookie tight end in franchise history, 2018, with a 552. And then the very next year, he broke the most touchdown receptions by a tight end in franchise history with 10. Uh, he has 1,404 yards in two seasons and is definitely a top five tight end currently. And uh, when I when I look at uh, the last time the Ravens have somewhat had this was Dennis Pitta. Um, the only reason why I have Mark Andrews uh, over Pitta is that I think he has the edge in the fact that he hasn't. Dennis Pitta was a great tight end, but he was always hurt. Like he was never very consistent when being on the field. And so that's why I have Mark Andrews that he's already at this like top five status and he's already breaking all these records. And I think that's what kind of cements him over Dennis Pitta, which then takes me into my second tight end, which is Dennis Pitta. And when he was healthy, he was definitely a difference maker in the passing attack. Uh, he was also a uh, flacker sa- safety valve. Excuse me. Um, I think if he had played more seasons healthy or maybe just one more season healthy, I think I would have put him as my tight end one. But I just think that the uh, accolades that Andrews has already gotten in two years, I think that, that takes him over the edge for Pitta. That is interesting. Yeah. I have a question okay. on the, I'll, have a, I'll have a question I'm going to pin on to you after both of us go. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the two guys that you had, but I'm going to flip-flop that order. You know, I think – Again, Mark Andrews kind of falls into the Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson area where I just think the two seasons is too short, you know, to put him on here over Dennis Pitta. And, you know, I know, like you said, Dennis Pitta wasn't the most, you know, it wasn't the most, like, reliable with health on the field. But, you know, again, you look at our Super Bowl run and he was one of the, you know, key factors that, you know, really led us there. So, you know, and I, I think kind of – like you said as well, he was really Joe Flacco's safety net. You know, he would always, you know, dump it down to Dennis, get the first down, and then reset. And so, you know, I think the experience kind of trumps here. I think, again, like Lamar and Mark, if he – if Mark Andrews is here for another, you know, two, three years, I think he will jump Dennis because he's already cemented himself as a top, you know, four, five tight end in the league right now. But I got to give the experience to Dennis better here. I agree with both of you. Where the two tight ends, the tight, two tight ends are going to be, and it's Pitta and Andrews. I do think Pitta is better just because of the experience, as Adam said. He's had a lot more years on the Ravens than uh, Andrews had. Andrews only going to have two years in the 2010s to really make his case. While Pitta has, I think, 
six or seven. And I mean, despite six, how yeah, you're right. despite, yeah, despite all the injuries he's had, he was still extremely productive when he wasn't. And in his time here, he had 2,098 receiving yards as a tight end, which is let's see, 12th all time for us in receiving yards as a tight end. And I mean. He was, as you as also asked Justin, but he was Joe Flacco's safety valve, and Lamar ja- and Mark Andrews probably will become Lamar Jackson's safety valve, but he also can do more. So this is where I'm going to pin my question: Do you think Mark Andrews will overtake Todd Heap for all-time receiving yards on the Ravens? Todd Heap currently is second place all-time on the Ravens with 5,492 receiving yards. I'm going to have to go with yes, and uh, the only reason why I say that is um, I think when you when you uh, look at, you know, like you see that Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews are both drafted in the same class, and they've had all this time together to uh, develop this chemistry, and we definitely saw it last year, and I think that's only like a sneak preview of what that can be. I think they're going to continue to build on that, because you can see that consistently Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. I know it's only uh, two years, but I think you notice that they, they get better every single year, and um, I think with what Andrews has done so far, like I mentioned, like he's break he's broken already two records in two years. Um, I don't think that's a mistake. I think that's gonna be a trend and I can definitely see him taking uh Todd Heap. Uh I think I can I can see him taking that record. Alrighty. I do agree. Next up we're gonna go to the tackle positions, right and left. Alright, so for uh left tackle, um uh, I think this one is a no-brainer for me. It's uh, Ronnie Stanley. Uh, he wasn't a very flashy pick when he took him in 2016, and um, I think uh, when, when, I mean it was it was definitely much needed. But like many people would prefer like a cornerback or something. But I think uh, what happened ended up happening was that uh, Ronnie Stanley turned into probably the best possible pick that we could have done. And I've noticed in like redraft on Instagram, like, if you see, like, these pages redrafting, you always see the Ravens keep taking Ronnie Stanley. I don't think that's a mistake. I think that's that's definitely uh, – there's a reason for that, and it's because he's definitely one of uh, the most premier left tackles in the league. And uh, you can see, like, there's these rumors that he could become, in his new extension, uh, a top non – or the league's highest-paid non-quarterback. Um, yeah. Every year he's – every year he's gotten better. Um, he's – and definitely, we saw it in 2019. Uh, he had a great season, and is definitely, definitely one of the top left tackles in the league. So that's that's an easy pick. Um, right tackle though is not as easy as left tackle. And right tackle, I had I had a few I had a few decisions to make here, but what I ended up doing, I I, I ended up narrowing it down between Orlando Brown and Rick Wagner, and I ended up picking with Wagner. Um. The, the reason why I take Wagner is that his 2014 breakout year uh, really helped the stock. Uh, he played with consistency throughout his three years up to 2016, uh, which then eventually he actually praised himself out of Baltimore with that um, that 2014 season and ended up just continuing to grow on that. And he ended up signing with the Lions, and he's been starting there ever since. So I think I think when you look at that consistency for three years, um, Orlando Brown didn't start although the Ravens have been notorious for not starting rookies, but I think with uh, yeah. Rick Wagner, he's he's done this consistently for three years as a right tackle, and it wasn't really many problems, but Orlando um, 
he didn't start until I think halfway into 2018. So I'm gonna have to yeah. give the edge to Rick, but I think it could I think it could go both ways. I really like what I've seen with Orlando this past season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, like you said, I think left tackle is kind of a no-brainer. Um, I am going to give an honorable mention to Michael Orr, um, but, you know, Ronnie Stanley is just that next level, and he's, you know, probably the best. You know, it, well, yeah, top three left tackles is not the best left tackle in the league right now. And then, you know, like you said, for right tackle, I think it's a little bit harder, you know, but, the you know, kind of the theme of what we've done so far is, you know, the consistency – and years over really talent right now. So I'm going to stick with that and go with Rick Wagner, like you said. You know, I think Orlando Brown kind of has the talent on him, but he's only been here for, you know, about a year and a half starting. So I'm going to continue with that trend and say Rick uh, Rick Wagner for the right tackle. All right. So I both agree with you with left tackle, and I think it's a no-brainer. It's Ronnie Stanley, and there's really no conversation there. Now I'm going to go off the trend, and people forget, Michael Orr was our right tackle for a multiple years for the Ravens, and that's who I have as my right tackle. Hmm. Okay. Or, or he left us about mid-20, or the, uh, was it 2013 and 2014, but goes back in those years, and he was dominant outside of, where well, once he left, he kind of started falling off, but when he was on the Ravens, he was really freaking good. And he, he he was a, I guess he was just Swiss Army Knife. And he, and that's why I'm kind of debating if I was going to put him at right tackle. Because in his career, he's played for us at three different positions. And that was right tackle, left tackle, and a guard. I forget which guard. But he's just, he's been all over the place. And that's why I kind of debate if he is, if we consider him a right tackle. But, I'm going to consider him a right tackle and say that he is my right tackle. Okay. All right. Next up, we've got, honestly, one of the harder positions, despite it being one of the more relevant positions, that's fullback. Fullback. Ooh. Okay. So, yes, this is probably going – there's probably going to be a lot of different answers here. Um, and I don't think you could go wrong with – really any of the top three. I, I got it to uh, Kyle Juszczyk, Bonsalich, and um, Patrick Ricard. And I, I had to look through I had to look through the three, and I think it's just a matter of personal preference at this point. And I had to go with Kyle Juszczyk. Um, and when you think of fullbacks, like, you don't really think of them anymore. Like, they're probably a dying position. Uh, only a few teams use them, including the Ravens. But um, Kyle... Kyle did not want to let that die very quickly. Uh, he was not only was he a great blocker, but he was also what I think really takes him over the top is that he was such an uh, open field threat, and um, he really proved that as uh, he, we got later into uh, his time with Baltimore, uh, the Ravens started using him more and more, and teams started seeing that more and more. So Kyle uh, decided to test the open market. He found a nice offer from the 49ers. The Ravens didn't match, so he eventually priced himself out. But um, I'm going to take Kyle as my uh, fullback one. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I agree with the three that you mentioned. You know, I think it's pretty obvious that it's pretty, uh, you know, Kyle Nuzak, Pat Ricardo, Vonta Leach. Um, and I agree with you. I'm going to go with Juice here. You know, I, his, uh, his receiving back was pretty insane, you know, the couple of years that he was here. And, you know, I think he kind of had some beef with us since we didn't really meet his asking price when he left for the – for San Fran, but 
you know, I think for this decade, he was definitely the most kind of, you know, I guess versatile, you know, fullback that we've had. I think Pat Ricard would be my second choice, but I'm going to give the edge to Judy. Really? Wow. I'm just surprised by that, actually. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I, I, yeah. Go ahead. I'm no, 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 that's all I, I really got to say. <laughs> I have Monty Leach, I have Monty Leach first and all the way. Because, think about it. Um, in his couple years that he was here in the 2010s, every year that he was on the Ravens in the 2010s, he made All-Pro, first-team All-Pro. He was a pro bowler. I know it's a fullback, but it's still something. And <laughs> you check just um, – I'm not gonna. I'm not going against your answers, but technically they've listed Yusek as a running back. Technically, in technical terms, mm-hmm. he's still a fullback to me. And you're, you both have a extremely good point, and Yusek is definitely my second. But I think Leach, he he was a, he was a very underrated piece for us, especially in those um, like the Super Bowl years, 2010, 2011, 2012. Or 2011, 2012, and he just he he yeah. had that like silent role of being that that blocker for Ray Rice. Yeah, and it's one of those roles that just no one ever cares about, but it's so important and it's so yeah so nice to have. And he played that role perfectly. Yeah. All right, uh, yeah. Next next up, we're gonna do all three of the interior offensive lines since I honestly forgot about them for some reason. We're going to do right guard, center, and left guard. All right. So, with the right guard, I really don't think there is much discussion here. It's obviously Marshall Yanda. Uh, he's, consistently one, he's consistently been one of the best offensive linemen during his active play. Definitely one of the greatest of all time. Uh, not much there. With uh, center, this gets a little bit tricky. Um I was having a sort of tough time, but I just decided to go with because uh, it's 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 very it's very um, hard to pick. But I just looked at the fundamentals and I said, okay, which one helped us have the most success? And I look at Matt Burke. I think Matt Burke was the uh, he was definitely a key a key role player in helping us get to the Super Bowl in uh, 2012. Um, I think that role of protecting Flacco and giving him the snap. Uh, definitely takes him uh, to that uh, to that center one spot for me. Um, he was never great, but he was never bad. Um, he and then then you see after he left, um, we did have a bit of center troubles after he had retired, and we tried uh, getting different guys and like Jeremy Zuta, like the Zuta experiment. Like you know, you've, you've got you got a few centers that they tried out, couldn't really work as well, ended up getting rid of them. So I'm, I, I chose Matt Burke because of his consistency Ooh. and uh, importance to protecting Flacco for the middle. And then left guard, also kind of tricky, but uh, we'll have to see. I chose, uh, I'm definitely going to butcher this, uh, Kalechi Osmele. Um, Kalechi Osmele. Yeah, that. <laughs> he, he, uh, there, there are not too many notable left guards in our franchise history, but um, he was end up able to end up pricing himself out of Baltimore for a starting job with Oakland for three years. Um, since he was drafted in 2012, he was able to learn under Yonda and then end up uh, breaking out uh, in 2015. 
and he was one of the very few bright spots on that team. But um, I think that's kind of what that's that's what puts him at the left guard is that breakout, and then he ended up uh, getting himself a, a nice contract in Oakland. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree with you. Right guard is pretty simple, Marshanda. Like that's you know very easy. Um, you know, like you said, center gets a little trickier. Uh, but I agree with you as well. I'm going to give the edge to Matt Burke there. Um, you know, kind of give an honorable mention is Jeremy Zuta and uh, maybe even Skura. You know, he's, you know, again, an experience and, you know, needs to stay healthy. Um, it's kind of why he's not high on the list. But uh, Matt Burke was definitely very consistent for us in those four years, I want to say, was during this decade. Um and then also, like you said, you know, not, not a ton of notable left guards, but Kalachi Osemele is pretty much, he was, you know, kind of the cornerstone for us uh, for yeah. those few years. So I agree with you on all three there. And as do I, Burke, Yanda, and Osemele all kind of, I wouldn't say had their, like, uncontested besides Yanda, but all had extremely dominant parts with the Ravens. Next up, we're going to go on to the defense, and we're going to go and do the entire defensive line together because it's just a bit easier. So go ahead, Justin. All right. So um, I had two defensive tackles here. I'm um, going to go with uh, Hulori Nada for my first, for my first defensive tackle spot. Um, and his catchphrase is not a chance. He did not have any chance if he wanted to run up on him. Uh, he was an anchor on the line for quite some time. Uh, he helped us produce the Super Bowl out of it during his five seasons in the decade. And he also was able to get after the quarterback, and uh, he had 19 sacks in five seasons. Uh, I think he's definitely one of the greatest defensive tackles of all time in Ravens history. Uh, and then that takes us to my second defensive tackle, which is uh, Brandon Williams. Uh, he's been known throughout his career as just this pure run stuffer, and it's very easy to see why. Uh, he wasn't very as flashy as Nada, but he was definitely a key force in stopping opposing run games by taking on double teams, the sheer size. Uh, you can see he definitely loves the game of football. Um, he's, he has a lot of fun doing it, um, and that's definitely why he's been a starter for uh, six seasons now in this decade. And he's de- and he's going into this next decade still a starter. So I think that that definitely plays a testament to uh, his um, his role. Yeah, I uh I again agree with you on both of the names that you mentioned. Um and maybe a couple of honorable mentions to uh Jimmy or uh, Timmy Jernigan and Arthur Jones, but I think it's pretty clear that, you know, the top two are loading out on Brandon Williams, you know. Like you said, Brandon Williams has been with us for a long time. He's been very underrated for us in my opinion. Um, you know, I think he gets a lot of hate that's unwarranted. And, uh, and you know, like you said, Velody Nada it was pretty much a, a cornerstone to our Super Bowl run. So I agree with you on both there. As do I. People, like, I'm not a, first of all, no, in, no if, Andrew, but he is number one. People forget how important Brandon Williams has been for the Ravens. Go look at, like, yep. go look at every game he did not play and go look at the rushing stats against us. And they yep. are yep. And that's all that needs to be said. Just go look at the rushing yards that he faces against us. All right, next up, we're going to go to the linebackers, outside and inside. So, Justin? 
All right. So for uh, my outside, I'll start with my uh, top two. Um, number one, is this is another one that's kind of uncontested. It's obviously going to be Terrell Suggs. Um, he uh, is easily the greatest pass rusher in the franchise history with 75 sacks in his nine seasons in the decade. Uh, domination off the line sets him apart from the other red, edge rushers uh, that I considered, and um, he's definitely one of the game's greatest uh, edge rushers, not the linebackers. Uh, the next the next outside linebacker that I took is uh, Elvis Dumerville, and um, when I look at what uh, Doom did, uh, he was only here for three seasons, but um, he was able to still notch 32 and a half sacks with five forced fumbles. Um, I think what happened with uh, Doomerville and Suggs is that, like, they had they formed a terrifying pass rushing duo, and I think when you pair that up on the All Decade team, I think when you reunite them, like, it's just it, that I, w- I would love to see that um, again. Like, it's a crazy that, yeah. that was a crazy duo, uh, yeah, well, pass rushing duo, and it was very scary. Um, so if we're gonna go straight to middle linebackers, um. My linebacker one is Ray Lewis. Um, The previous decade was definitely Ray Lewis's prime, but it doesn't take away from the fact that uh, his short time in the 2010s was still very impactful. Um, In three seasons, Ray was able to still mark 218 tackles alongside one final ride to win Super Bowl 47 in his farewell season, and is definitely the greatest middle linebacker of all time. Um, maybe not much needs to be said about Ray Lewis, but uh, with CJ yeah. Wesley, um, he's my linebacker too. Um, this is another good choice for me. Uh, CJ Mosley was drafted to be the successor to Ray Lewis, and he did not disappoint. Although nobody can really can really match what Ray Lewis did with his intensity and his talent, uh, he CJ Mosley filled that spot in his own way. Um, he got pro ball nods in four out of five seasons of his time with us and uh, definitely set the tone of the defense and was the main defensive play caller. And his departure to cash in with the Jets, his impact was felt even not as a Raven because the early defense of 2019 was confused and they gave up many big plays due to miscommunication. So he, that that's, that's definitely an underrated thing that you look for is somebody who can, you know, communicate things very well to the defense and make sure that, you know, big plays like that don't happen. And that's definitely what happened because people weren't used to um, do, calling the plays that Wink would say to them. So uh, I think uh, Ray Lewis and CJ Mosley are my two picks for middle linebackers and my two picks for outside are Terrell Suggs and Elvis Dumerville. Yeah, I uh, agree with you for sure with Terrell Suggs. It's, you know, pretty easy. Um, you know, no real competition for him there. And then I agree with you on the second one as well. You know, Elvis Dumerville was absolutely insane for us in 2014. You know, he still holds our single-season sack record at 17, um, which is just in- insane. I mean, you know, that would be tough to beat. Um, but I want to give a couple, you know, honorable mentions to uh, Paul Kruger is one of them. Uh, you know, Zadarius Smith. Um, and uh, Matthew Judon. But Paul was very close for me, but, you know, he was very close for number two for me, but I got to give the edge with that, you know, one season that Elvis had. Um, you know, and then for a, a middle linebacker, you know, it's pretty easy. Ray Lewis, you know, like you said, just a few years he had with us in the 2010s were still crazy impactful, you know, pretty much the leader of the team when we won the Super Bowl. And, you know, he was still – Still very, very, playing at a very high level. Um, and then, you know, linebacker two was 
kind of tough for me. You know, um, I I am going to give the, the nod to C.J. Mosley. Um, a couple honorable mentions to Daryl Smith and Zach Orr. Um, but, you know, I think that really, you know, the five years that we had with C.J. were absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. And like you said, you know, we really missed him in the beginning of last year. You know, luckily we, we uh, patched the holes with uh, L.J. Fort and, and uh, Josh Fine, but – you know, we really missed him even when he wasn't in, in purple. So, you know, my uh, two outside linebackers are Terrell Suggs and Elvis Dumerville just edging out Paul Kruger. And then my middle linebackers are Ray Lewis and T.J. Mosley. So, both of you had uh, Lewis at one. I'm going to flip it. I have Mosley at one. And the only reason I have Woo! Mosley at one is because he had more years than Lewis in 2010. And I'm not going to argue that Ray Lewis was still dominant in the 2010s and he was still extremely good, but he was in fairness. He was waning down at those last couple of years and Ray Lewis waning down. It's still not much, but that said, uh, I'm going to have Mosley over Lewis. And then Adam, you forgot one name that I would actually add to the outside linebackers. And that's Courtney Upshaw because you yeah. give him a fair, a fair uh, trial, and then as well, I agree that Terrell Suggs and um, yeah, Dumervil are your two uh, big say, or uh, big linebackers. All right, so we're gonna have to do quick, kind of a quick round right here and just do the two cornerbacks and two safeties. And let's try to be quick on it. All right, so. Uh... In a very shortened version of this, um, yeah. cornerbacks. My two cornerbacks are uh, Jimmy Smith is my first cornerback. Uh, he's definitely the definition of a shutdown lockdown cornerback. Uh, was, I think you could make a case for some other cornerbacks, but even though he was a little bit uh, in, like inconsistent with uh, field injuries and uh, suspension, I think that talent and uh, he started the beginning of the decade with us, uh, and he's still definitely he's still on the team. I think that speaks volumes too. Second one, my second cornerback is like Darius Webb, uh, and in his prime, he was ball hawk. Uh, it, it's a very hot take, but I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna roll with it. Uh, during the decade, right. uh, Webb never finished a season without at least one interception, and I think that's definitely uh, something that we should uh, look at when considering like you know how big of an impact these players had. Um, he was definitely a big play playmaker in the secondary, uh, opposite to Jimmy Smith. And uh, also something that kind of factored into this was that he was also a returner. You can see his impacts uh, there, too. Although he wasn't the best returner for us, uh, he's definitely one of the better ones. Uh, for safeties, I'm going to go straight free uh, free safety, Ed Reed. Um, even like 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 Lewis, uh, he was approaching the end of his career. And uh, once he left the Ravens, he was never the same. But... Um, he while he was with us, he was still able to play at a high level, and he got us a Super Bowl win in 42 games played. He notched 15 interceptions. Only Webb matches that number, but in 40 more games with 42 or uh, 82 games played. I'm sorry. Uh, even at the end of his career, and lived up to his title as ball hawk. And then for strong safety, uh, even though sort of out of position, I'm gonna go with Eric Weddle because he did technically play at strong safety in 2016. Um, and he did play fairly well for uh, his uh, introductory season as a Raven and uh, did end up um, playing very well at the rest of that um, 
He only had three seasons with us, but he still got 10 interceptions, 151 tackles. Stats don't all, the stats don't display his leadership as well. He was able to uh, help uh, redefine what it was meant to play like a Raven after, you know, Ed Reed and uh, Ray Lewis had gone. But um, he definitely helped us get back to the playoffs in uh, 2018, and that's why he's my pick. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I'm going off the trend of consistency with cornerbacks. And, you know, I got to go with my cornerback one being Marlon Humphrey. Um, you know, these last couple of years, he's probably been a top three, top five corner in the league and has really going to run his, you know, his contract up. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, he was very, he was very dominant for us. So I'm going to have to give him the edge, uh, for number one. And then number two, I got to go Jimmy. Um, you know, like you said, Jimmy's kind of been cornerstone for us in the 2010, uh, but you know, kind of the off the field issues were a little concerning. Um, but I gotta, yeah, again, I gotta give, you know, Marlon just the talent edge over everyone else here. Um, honorable mentions, I'm going to go with Ladarius Webb, like you said, and Corey Graham, but, I gotta, I gotta go with Jimmy and Marlon over Ladarius here, and then for uh, free safety, obviously Ed Reed. You know, like you said, kind of the end of his career, but was still very, very good for us. And um, strong safety. You know, I would say Eric Weddle, like you said, even though he only played one season for us at strong safety. You know, I would also make a case for Tony Jefferson. Um, you know, I think he was pretty underrated for us, um, but kind of that like that leadership role that Eric played for us was kind of the key factor in me picking him over Tony. All right. So, yeah, I agree with you on all of those things. Uh, what Adam said, I think cornerback one is Marlon Humphrey. I think cornerback two is Jimmy Smith. And then I'm kind of debating in my head right now if I should put Eric Weddle at free safety. Because, once again, Reed had those – only had two years in the decade. And – but at the same time, I think Weddle only had two as a free safety in the decade. So I'm going to go, I'm going to continue with Reed. And then, uh, who is my strong going to be? I'm going to go with Tony Jefferson just because he had more experience with the strong safety position. All right. So can everyone agree that Jacoby Jones is our kick returner? I think we, we can do that. that. Yep. <laughs> all right. Perfect. Yep. And then we can all agree that uh, our strong, our Special teams, I don't think, has changed in the decade, and we don't have to argue on that either. <laughs> yep. Morgan Cox, Justin Tucker, and Sam Cook. Perfect. Of All right, thank you for listening. To in- <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap this up because we kind of are running low on time. So, well, thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode of Inside the Block, brought to you by the Right Way Sports Network. We hope to see you next week, same time and same place. And do not forget, if you would like to listen to any of our podcasts, we are available on Anchor, which will direct you to all of our podcasts. We like to thank Justin from the Ravens Hub on IG, and if you like to follow him, his tag on Instagram is the Ravens Hub, one word. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to listen in to our podcast produced by the Right Way Sports Network. Subscribe to our channel for more awesome content and follow us on social media on Instagram at TWSNet, on Twitter at TWSNet, and on Facebook at the Right Way Sports Network. And remember, there's only one way to get your sports news and updates, and that is the Right Way.